Good morning. Well, I'll tell you one thing this morning. Cold, dry air has taken a toll on my voice, and I can tell it's affecting several of us this morning. So y'all just bear with me, and we'll bear with each other. But uh, it's good to be together with one another this morning. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I do think that it would be interesting to think about and reflect on this question. And the question is, how many of us growing up have ever had their mouths washed out with soap? Don't show me your hands. I never did, but, oh, I saw one. I, I never did myself, but I did get threatened with it a couple times, I think. What about this? Did you ever hear this growing up? Watch your mouth. Watch your tongue. I think we probably all have heard that from time to time. Well, we want to talk about that this morning. We want to talk about watching our tongue, a lesson on our speech. The Bible says a lot about this subject. This is a very serious topic. And I know that if we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us struggles with this, at least somewhat. At least from time to time, I struggle with it. I'll go ahead and admit it. It's something that we have to work on, all of us. And so we want to talk about this this morning. The Bible says in Matthew 12, verses 36 through 37, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so, in short, our words matter. The words that we use matter. We will be judged by our words. And we also need to understand that according to that text, there will be some folks in hell one day because of the words they used. That's the plain and simple truth that we read about here in Matthew chapter 12. And that thought alone ought to make us tremble when it comes to the words that we use in our everyday speech. James 1 verse 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And by the way, if we're wondering there if James is downing religion, is James downing the concept of religion there? The answer is no. If you look in the very next verse, it talks about pure and undefiled religion. Before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So James is not downing the concept of religion here. He is saying that there is a type of religion that is vain, that is useless. And he characterizes that type of religion with the one who does not bridle his tongue in James 1 verse 26. What we want to do today is we want to look at a few passages very quickly, just rapid fire, if you will, some passages from both the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, regarding our speech, and then we want to gather some key takeaways, and we want to look at one prolonged passage, and that's in James chapter 3, we'll get to in just a moment. Let's first notice some rapid-fire 
verses from the New Testament regarding our speech. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Corrupt, that carries the idea of rottenness, worthlessness, morally speaking. And so we are not to speak rotten, crude, worthless things in our everyday language. Edification, that is necessary. We've been emphasizing this a lot on our Wednesday night class with Corinthians. Edification is important. We need to be building up with the things that we say rather than tearing down. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Grace was also mentioned in Ephesians 4 verse 29, by the way. And grace is the idea of unmerited favor. And we think about grace, and we think about grace as it pertains to the scheme of redemption, the plan of salvation. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve His mercy. We deserve punishment. But when we come to God on His terms, we can receive grace and mercy. When we come to Him on His terms, when we live in accordance with His will, we trust Him in faith and we obey. We can receive grace and mercy. But I find it interesting that the term grace is used as it pertains to our speech. And so I ask you this, is it not the case that just because we may feel that someone deserves to be spoken to in a certain manner, just because we feel that they deserve to be spoken to this way, perhaps in a harsh way, or maybe, well, I'm going to tell you off, and we feel like, well, they deserve it. But just because we think they deserve it, does that mean that we should talk to them that way? It doesn't. We should not talk to them that way. And so we need to use our speech in a manner that is characterized by grace. We need to season our speech with salt, Salt is very important, especially if you're from Louisiana. We like to season our food with a whole lot of salt. A little bit goes a long way, right? A little bit goes a long way. That's right. But salt is important. What does salt do? It preserves. It flavors. It preserves and flavors. How many relationships have been ruined, have not been preserved because of improper speech? Somebody said something that they shouldn't have said. In a heated moment, in a moment of anger, they say something, they, they say it in a way that they should not, and relationships are ruined. Bridges are burned because of improper speech. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, okay, so our words and our actions, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
Notice the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, verse 11, when he says that not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And so Christ, I think, alluding to the fact that he is about to do away with the Levitical dietary laws, study Acts chapter 10, and ultimately, we do see that there. Christ does away with dietary restrictions. And Pharisees were coming along and saying, well, your disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. Good practice. You probably need to do that, but you can't bind it as a religious ordinance. Jesus takes the point and he says, look, you're missing the point. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. The things that come out of our mouths can defile us. Luke 6, verse 45. When bad things do come out of our mouths, where does it start? It starts in the heart. Luke 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. We can know a lot about a man based on how he uses his mouth. Finally, Ephesians 5 verse 4. After having talked about various sins that are not even to be named among Christians as being proper among saints, Paul continues there in Ephesians 5 verse 4. He says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Quoting from the, Amer the uh, English Standard Version there. He talks about filthiness and foolish talking and crude joking, not to belong in the mouth of a Christian. Let's talk about some verses in the Old Testament now. And what we're going to notice is uh, <clears throat> that these verses are all going to come from a section of Scripture known as the wisdom literature. The wisdom literature. Uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job as well. That's the wisdom literature. Most of these verses, look at the screen, come from Proverbs. I love Proverbs. We've got a couple from the Psalms and one from Ecclesiastes as well. What does this section of Scripture teach us? How to be wise, how to conduct ourselves properly, how to gain understanding that comes from God. Let's notice what this section of Scripture says about the tongue. And by the way, the things that we're covering in the verses here, just a drop in the bucket. The Bible has a lot to say about this subject. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The interesting thing about the door of our lips is that you can let things out the door, but you can't bring them back through the door. 
we can say things that are hurtful and mean-spirited and, and negative and, and murmuring and things of this nature, gossiping, lying. We can say them, and once they escape, they're out there. People know about them. Now, we can take it back in the sense of, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But you're not going to wipe it from somebody's memory. They're going to remember it. And so we need to be careful about the things that we say, understanding the damage that the things that we say can cause. The United States Navy put out in World War II the, the following phrase. They, you know what they said? They said, loose lips sink ships. They understood that if people are speaking loosely with their lips, they might let some information out that will aid the enemy and could cause harm to the war effort. Loose lips sink ships. We need to be careful because we need to understand that our loose lips can cause great damage. Psalm 19, verse 14. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, by the way, that's internally, things we think about, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 3, speaking of guarding our mouths. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 14, verses 2 and 3, He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse, that is, someone who has departed from the way. They've departed from normal, spiritually speaking, and they have went into perverseness, abnormal, wickedness, unbelievably wickedness. Someone who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. See the court jester on the screen? What is a court jester also known as? A fool. The Bible speaks of the mouth of a fool. We've got to make sure and avoid that. Proverbs 15, verses 1 through 4. A soft answer turns away wrath. We need to be careful how we answer people, especially in moments of anger and frustration. How we answer them will have lingering effects. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Not only are we talking about words here, but we're also talking about tone in how we speak to people. A harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He sees what we're doing. He sees what we're saying. He hears what we're saying. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. He who has knowledge spares his words. Notice that. Use your words sparingly, just like you might use salt sparingly. Use your words sparingly. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to think 
before we speak. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Even a fool can understand, hey, there's a time when you should speak and a time when you should not speak. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And finally, the passage in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 2 and 3. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily, too quickly, before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. We need to understand, sometimes we can talk too much. We can say things we better not be saying because we just let that tongue start going, and before we know it, we've said too much. We've said things in the wrong way. We've said things with the wrong tone, and we can cause a lot of damage. I want us to turn and read in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we want to look at verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> James 3, verses 1 through 12. If you're talking about the section of several verses that deal with how we should use our tongue, this is where you need to go, James chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you be, become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I need to remember that. And I've mentioned it before here. I'll mention it again. When I went to preaching school, they made a sign a statement. Do you understand the meaning of this verse? Do you understand the commitment you're making? Notice how he takes the idea of those who are teachers or masters in the King James. He takes that idea, and then he starts going into the tongue. We've got to be careful how we use our tongue, whether we're talking about teaching or just in general speech. We've got to be careful how we use our tongue. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Does anybody ever completely tame his tongue? Or is this something that we've got to work on all our lives? We've got to keep working on this, don't we? Because we all slip up from time to time. I catch myself quite often saying things I, I shouldn't say, using tones I should not use. Let me talk about my podcast just for about 20 seconds. Very first three episodes of the current season, you can go back on there and look at it. We deal with foul language. We talk about types of foul language. We talk about what the Bible has to say about it. Go listen to those. We don't need to be using foul language. We don't need to be trying to soften foul language either. Well, I'll soften it. I'll change the spelling of it a little bit, and it'll be okay. That's idle words, brethren. Think about that. I'm preaching to myself there. Okay? Listen to the podcast. You can hear more. 
We don't completely tame our tongue, but we should be trying. We need to understand, hey, there's a goal of a perfect, complete tongue. And I know I'm struggling with it, but I need to be reaching for it. I need to be growing in this regard. I need to be doing better. Verses 3 and 4. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Anybody dealt with horses? That bit is a pretty small piece of metal compared to the horse. But when you put that bit in that horse's mouth, you've got control. Generally speaking, I've seen a few horses that you still struggle with, but for the most part, if they're well-trained, you've got control because of that little piece of metal in that horse's mouth. By the way, just an incidental, isn't it interesting, by way of apologetics, isn't it interesting that the horse's mouth is suited perfectly for a bit? Look at an x-ray of of, uh, a horse's teeth. There's a spot in his jaw that's just perfect for a bit. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. It's almost like God intended for that to be the case. I think he did. I know he did. Just a side note. But anyways, you put that bit in the horse's mouth and you control him. You have a, a rudder on a ship. And comparatively speaking, as it pertains to size, that's even smaller compared to the size of a massive ship. And yet in a tempestuous storm, you can, can still steer the ship. You can still steer the ship. Try to say that three times fast. In a storm, even with a very small rudder at the back of that ship, well, our tongue is small compared to the rest of the body, but we can do a whole lot of damage with it. We can do good things with it too, by the way. We can do a lot of uplifting things, a lot of edifying things, a lot of grace we can give with our tongues, a lot of teaching we can give with our tongues, but we can do a lot of damage if we're not using our tongues tongues right. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, so how great a forest a little fire kindles. Tongue is a fire. You ever seen a forest fire? Oh, what damage it can do. We can set forest fires with our tongue. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So much that is sinful can be done with the tongue, lying, backbiting, gossip, foul language, false teaching, complaining, murmuring, The list goes on and on. There's so many different sins that we can commit with our tongue. It's a world of fire, a world of iniquity. Verse 7 and 8, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, a creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Mankind has tamed all kinds of animals. Think about the list. Lion tamers, tiger tamers, bear tamers. Let's go to the circus, right? 
Crocodiles. Remember the crocodile hunter? I grew up watching the crocodile hunter. It was a sad day when, when he passed away. Snakes. Horses, we talked about. Dogs. Think about the, the guy who decided for the first time to tame a wolf. But now we've got all kinds of domesticated dogs. Whales, dolphins, go to SeaWorld. On and on you can go, listing animals, powerful animals that have been tamed by man. And yet, we can tame those animals, but we sure have a hard time taming this, don't we? Why is that? Maybe we're not trying to tame it. A man decides he wants to tame a lion, he works hard at it, doesn't he? He feeds that lion. He keeps the proper distance between him and that lion. And he slowly gains that trust with that lion. He works hard at it. He's diligent at it. If a man decides he's going to be a lion tamer, he gets it down. We need to decide that we're going to be a tongue tamer. We need to make sure that we're doing our best to do that. Verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. God takes it personally when we curse His creation. Man is His creation. And when we curse one another, whether we're talking about the tones that we're using, the words that we're saying, choice words that we ought not be saying, God takes it personally. We cannot, on the one hand, bless God, praise God, and then on the other hand, curse man who He created with our words and our tones and be right with God. Verses 11 and 12. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? No. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. The idea is that our tongues should not be sweet on the one hand and bitter on the other. Important reminder from the book of James. Let's talk about some key takeaways this morning. Number one, our tongues are something that should be guarded. We need to guard the door of our tongue. Number two, the Bible has a whole lot to say about the use of our tongues. We just barely went into it. You could look at many more. Number three, Jesus told us that we will be judged by our words. And we need to be careful about those idle words. Number four, wisdom or foolishness is tied to how we use our tongues. Number five, we can do either a lot of damage or a lot of building up, a lot of encouraging, a lot of edifying with our tongues. Number six, our tongue is something that we all need to be working 
hard to tame. Number seven, we dare not praise God on the one hand and curse his creation, man, on the other. Those are some key takeaways from the lesson this morning. Important to realize that we must be careful with our mouths. Let's strive to do our best in watching, guarding our tongues. I want you to think about your life this morning. Maybe the tongue is what needs to be back in order in your life. We all need that from time to time. Every single one of us. I need it. I need to guard my tongue. Particularly, I think, in regard to tone, because sometimes I struggle with that. We need to guard our tongues. Maybe that's what you're struggling with today. Maybe you're struggling with something else today, and you need to respond in time of invitation to come and asking for prayers for strength to do better. Maybe you're somebody here this morning who's never obeyed the gospel and you want to do that. You realize, hey, I'm lost. Hey, I have sinned against Almighty God. And I realize that it's my sin that sent Jesus to the cross. And because of my sin, he was willing to humble himself and die for me. Maybe you realize that this morning. Respond to it. Respond to it in obedience to his gospel. Believe in him. Repent of your sins. Confess Christ. Put him on in baptism for the remission of your sins this morning. If you've never done that. If you need to come, we ask that you please come as together we stand and as we sing.